Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Hi, everyone. I'm Cheryl Butler. And you're listening to the Mighty Mommy's Quick and Dirty Tips podcast, which will help make your life as a parent a little bit easier and a lot more fun. Welcome. Today, we have a very special guest on the Mighty Mommy podcast. Please help me welcome Dr. Janet Kennedy, a clinical psychologist and founder of the New York City Sleep Doctor, a consultation and psychotherapy practice where Janet is dedicated to treating a variety of sleep problems in babies, toddlers, and even adults. After years of helping people solve their children's sleep troubles, Janet has distilled her advice into a new book called The Good Sleeper, The Essential Guide to Sleep for Your Baby and You. Her book features a refreshingly straightforward approach for training infants to become great sleepers for life. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western, with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. And now, I am so excited to learn all about Dr. Janet Kennedy's great tips from her new book, The Good Sleeper. Janet, welcome to the Mighty Mommy podcast. Thank you. Can you tell us what led you to write the book? Well, I've been working for a number of years doing individual consultations and teaching classes to help parents get off on the right foot with their infants and really start working on good sleep from the start. People have always asked me what books they should read, and it's been tough to answer that because there are so many books out there. They're so confusing. They're very long and over-inclusive. It's very difficult to figure out what to do 
in a clear and concise way. And so I wanted to use my voice and my expertise as a psychologist working with sleep and also as a busy working mom of two to bring a real solid solution, a very usable, easy to read book into the hands of desperate parents. What are some of the things that parents unwittingly do to negatively affect their baby's sleep habits? Most of what parents need to do to raise good sleepers is counterintuitive. So right off the bat, parents tend to keep their babies awake for too long. They wait until they're showing signs of irritability, crying, fussiness, eye rubbing, you know, spazzy behavior. And those signs really indicate that it's it, you've crossed the line. So I teach parents how to recognize when their babies are first getting drowsy so that they can follow these subtle cues, things like pauses in alertness, staring out into space, the first yawn, just getting quiet and less engaged. And those signals really tell parents that it's time to start getting the baby to bed. So from birth, that's going to be an interval of no more than 90 minutes awake. Most parents think that's ridiculous, and they think if my baby sleeps too much during the day, she won't sleep well at night. And those thoughts are reinforced by all of the well-wishers who come by to give advice. But in fact, keeping your baby awake too long um, really creates problems and makes it much harder for them to sleep. So that's number one. Um, number two is that parents really tend to intervene way too quickly, and they don't allow their babies an opportunity to fuss and work it out. Um, from very young, babies can make lots of noise in the night. They certainly do. They make tons of noise in the night. And we often mistake that for a full waking and intervene to feed or to soothe or to do something to help the baby get back to sleep. Partly that's because we want to go back to sleep ourselves, and that's that's not wrong. But by swooping in there so quickly, oftentimes we're either waking the baby up, the baby's not really awake, um, or we are depriving the baby of a chance to fuss and resettle himself. Every time a baby does that, it's learning. It's learning how to self-soothe. And if you can do that from the start in increments, then the baby can really build up this skill and do a lot more self-soothing along the way. Janet, how early can parents start to sleep train their baby? Well, it depends on what you mean by sleep training. So you can start from birth by watching for drowsy signs, keeping your baby well-rested, keeping her from becoming overtired, establishing routines that help the baby respond to cues in the environment so that she knows that it's time to sleep and those things will help. And letting your baby fuss for a few minutes and perhaps extending those periods to maybe five minutes, 10 minutes. That can happen from the start. If you're talking about sleep training in the sense of letting your baby cry it out, that needs to wait until the baby really has the physical ability to self-soothe. And in my experience, that happens sometime between three and four months. 
I generally advise my clients to try to get sleep training done if you're using Cry It Out before six months. And that's because around six months, the babies start to change and they develop separation anxiety. They're a little more aware of what's going on. And it gets harder for the parents to tolerate the child being in distress. It's not necessarily harder for the child, but letting your baby cry is a really difficult thing to do. And you have to think about how you are going to tolerate this experience so that you can stick it out and get the benefit of the sleep training and that your baby will really learn how to sleep. I've done a ton of research on this. I've looked at everything I could find. I've looked at everything you find on the web that says cry it out is harmful. I've looked at the studies they've cited. I've looked at the literature available in, you know, the scientific journals. And what I have found is what also bears out in my practice, which is that cry it out is safe and effective. And it is the most reliable way to teach your baby how to self-soothe, how to fall asleep, and how to sleep through the night. Cry it out is difficult for parents. It goes against our instincts. It, you know, we are, we are wired to respond to our baby's cries. And it's difficult to reconcile that with this idea that it actually teaches your baby an essential skill. Now, I, in my work, really coach parents and help them understand their role as a parent, which is often to make these very tough decisions about what is in the baby's best interest, even when the baby essentially doesn't want it. <laughs> so whether you have an infant who would prefer to be held all night or fed at, you know, one hour intervals or something that is just completely unnecessary and you know, in fact, not good for the baby, or you have a three-year-old who's demanding, you know, cotton candy in the middle of the night. It, it's the same thing. And you as a parent have to embrace your role of setting those limits and being decisive and teaching your baby to do the things that are healthy and appropriate and make for a much happier child and a much happier family. You know, we can't be the parents that we want to be when we're exhausted. Babies aren't much fun to be around when they're exhausted. And there's nothing wrong with helping the baby to get the sleep that he needs. And when you look at it that way and you see how quickly it, you can establish that by using crying, which is, of course, safe. <laughs> I'll say it again. Um you know, it's really it, it helps you to have the confidence to do something that is that is very difficult, but it's so important. And how soon can parents expect to see a change in their children's sleep habits after they begin training? It depends on the approach that they use. Some people prefer to use a strategy where they go in and they do some checking, which would be more like the Ferber method where you wait five minutes and then 10 minutes and then 15 minutes and you go in and you shush and reassure the baby. I don't find that to be especially helpful. I find that, in fact, it's confusing to the baby and it can prolong the crying. If you go full force, hardcore, and leave the baby to cry, typically you're looking at three tough nights. It's difficult to predict what those are going to look like precisely because babies are different. Um, but 
The the reason that cry it out works is because it's a very basic behavioral learning process. A baby cries because he is used to getting a certain response to that cry. And when that response is removed, the baby is going to cry harder at first to because essentially he's assuming, well, they didn't hear me or, you know, this isn't working. I wonder why. So they have to kind of exhaust that and realize, oh, wait a second, this this behavior doesn't work for me anymore. And then they also learn how to go to sleep. So that process can take, you know, 45 minutes for a baby. Some babies cry for very extended periods of one or two hours, sometimes even more. Um, but the point is that each time they fall asleep, they learn how to do it better. And the process of of learning to do something other than wake up in the night and get soothed by somebody else takes some time, but it works because this is what we know scientifically about learning, that when you take away the reward for a behavior that you don't want, that behavior extinguishes itself. And that's why they call this extinction, which is unfortunate, but it's what they call it. What is the number one factor that contributes to making a child into a good sleeper or a bad one? I'd say the number one thing that makes a child a good sleeper is learning how to self-soothe. And it's parents who can learn how to tolerate the child being in some form of distress, and by that I mean crying or fussing, to allow the child the opportunity to take care of it himself. The parents' discomfort with allowing their child to be alone, with allowing the child to cry and be in distress. I think parents just misinterpret what that crying and fussing means. They believe that it's a call to action and that not responding is somehow going to teach the baby that the baby isn't loved. And that's just not the case. A baby is is loved and safe and can sit there and settle himself down, knowing that if he truly, truly needs you, you'll be there. Janet, this has been such terrific information. And I really think the Mighty Mommy listeners are going to be able to implement some of your wonderful tips on getting our babies and kids to become better sleepers. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. And I hope you'll be sure and pick up your copy of The Good Sleeper, The Essential Guide to Sleep for Your Baby and You. And you can also visit her website at nycsleepdoctor.com. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Do you have tips to help your baby sleep better? I'd love it if you'd share your thoughts in the comments section at quickanddirtytips.com slash mighty-mommy or post your ideas on the Mighty Mommy Facebook page. You can also email me at mommy at quickanddirtytips.com and don't forget to visit my family-friendly boards at pinterest.com slash mightymommyqdt. And I hope you'll sign up for the upcoming Mighty Mommy newsletter, which will be chock full of practical advice 
to help make your parenting life easier and more enjoyable. Thanks for listening, and until next time, happy parenting! At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.